Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Um, so uh, we were given this uh, thing to do, which is um, to have a, a conversation um, about um, storytelling um, in the video. And I'm talking to Adam Sargent. Um, and I'm talking to Amanda Hart. <laughs> um, yeah, we're here at Wildways on the Ball in Shropshire. Um, we've we've been here all weekend. It's a bit of a gathering of uh, BDO folk, uh, where we've been discussing uh, future direction of the BDO, British mm-hmm. Brewery Order, really. So we thought we'd have a little bit of a discussion about some of our own personal experiences and interests, and share those with you. Yay! <laughs> our great listeners. <laughs> um. Primarily, um, I mean, what I'm really interested in, um, during our conversations that we had earlier on, that you were saying about the um, a lot of the storytelling techniques that you had, that you found were really useful um, in situations that were, you know, where there were difficult um, psychological problems and, and how storytelling can be brought in as a quite a important healing mm. modality you probably could explain that like really well i probably haven't put it very well no no but no you... what i'm asking is like how how does your storytelling um you know what what is it about the storytelling you want to what, what are you bringing to your storytelling what is the storytelling giving you um can you describe um a bit about your storytelling and well, I'm, I'm personally interested in storytelling as a traditional oral um, tradition. Traditional oral tradition, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but storytelling in general, I think, uh, human beings specifically, um, amongst all beings, are storytelling animals. We make sense of the world by creating stories about it and sharing those stories between us. We make, share, we make sense of our experiences by creating stories about them. <coughs> we make sense of our pain and our suffering by building stories around them. And it's, it's always made sense to me, and it's making even more sense, the older I get and the more I get involved in Druidry, that in order to... One of the best things one can do toward leading a good life and to assist others to lead a good life is to learn how to process trauma, Mm -hmm. personal trauma. The greatest gift you can give somebody is to assist them to process trauma. And storytelling, stories in general, are a very powerful way of doing that. Um, There was a... I'm very fond of telling people about a um, author, a um, famous uh, Freudian psychoanalyst, Bruno Bettelheim, who wrote a book called The Uses of Enchantment, which uh, basically broke down fairy and folk tales, um, very famous ones like Cinderella, that kind of thing, Mm. um, uh, in terms of their kind of Freudian uh, psychoanalytical development. not necessarily a model I particularly ascribe to, but it's a, it's, it's a book worth reading. Uh, and he noted, he was a, um, 
He was Jewish and he was in Dachau during the Second World War, prisoner of the Nazis. And he noted that the children who were in the concentration camps, who had read the original Grimm's fairy tales, like the unexcubate, unexcubate, <laughs> my English is rapidly becoming a second language here, yeah. uh, an expurgated version, mm -hmm. um, although they had grown up knowing that the wolf might come for them, that uh, they may get thrown into the witch's oven, they also knew that there were allies and that there were mentors um, who they would find along the way and that if they continued to make their way through the forest that they could come out the other side. Mm -hmm. So that the stories themselves provided a, a, a mental space, an emotional space, a cognitive space within which they could process trauma mm -hmm. as that trauma was happening. It gave them a greater resilience. Um, and I thought this was a very profound observation. So over the last few years, I mean, I've been telling stories now since I, mean, I was fortunate. I've been telling stories for a long time, um, but I've been telling stories in a actually get out there and work with audiences and people capacity probably for about just over 20 years my wife bought me a didgeridoo shortly after we got married because uh, I always wanted to play one and she bought me a little old cassette tape of uh, how to learn circular breathing and I spent two weeks listening to this tape blasting on this didgeridoo blowing through a straw in a glass of water trying to get this circular breathing going <laughs> about two weeks I got it so bless her my poor wife had to listen to this kind of like horrible thing but I got it <laughs> And we launched a, a didgeridoo festival, me and a couple of friends who I hooked up with who also played didgeridoo. And I wound up hooking up with a, an Aboriginal storyteller uh, who lived in the UK, still does, I think, a guy called Francis Firebrace, who wanted uh, somebody to accompany his storytelling. And I had the great privilege of playing didgeridoo for Francis Firebrace whilst he told some of his stories. <coughs> Um, I'd always had a love of story. I'd always had a love of Celtic story, particularly the Mabinogion, um, but Norse story, origin stories from many different cultures. So this was a great honour. Um, and he gave me permission to tell some of his stories. Uh, so very shortly afterwards, I then had the opportunity to run a workshop with uh, a group of girl guides in St Neots. Oh, wow, yeah. And I did some didgeridoo work with them, told a couple of Francis's stories, for which I have the uh, singular honour of being an honorary girl guide, which oh. uh, <laughs> is wonderful. That's really cool. Um, and so, yeah, I've now been working with stories um, since then. But obviously the storytelling in the Aboriginal tradition is a, is, is lineaged. Um, yeah, I've learned since then. I, I don't tell any other stories other than the ones that Francis has given me permission to tell and I'm very wary about telling stories from other cultures mm. um, but I've recently started working with a charity in <coughs> Settle called Settle Stories mm. looking at how we can use traditional storytelling um, to work with people with mental health issues Right, yeah. and it is looking at this um, self-perception how do we story our experience of ourself yeah yeah 
and how do we story our experiences of our trauma? And just to put it very, very loosely, because I could go on about this for hours, and I probably will if you give me the opportunity. <laughs> I don't think you've <laughs> um, The process that I came up with it is rooted in um, uh, a series of ideas that come from uh, something called NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Mm. Um, but the woman that I've been working with, she herself is a mindfulness practitioner. So we also brought in some mindfulness practitioner uh, practices. Basically asks the people to look at certain core beliefs about themselves. Mm -hmm. So if I was to ask you, for example, what is something that you want to be and believe that you could become? Mm -hmm. So this would be kind of like your... Your vision for yourself, your goal. You know? yeah. But then you'd be asking, what is something that you want to be but believe that you could never become? Mm. Okay. Yeah, and this kind of reaches into something that hurts. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can feel a hurt when you yeah. think about that question. Yeah. Uh, what is something that you do not want to be and believe that you could never become? Mm-hmm. Most people struggle a little bit with that question, but it, you know, it's a core belief about yourself and so on. And there are six core beliefs that we elicit with these questions. Right. And then um, we would ask, what would symbolise the answer? So once you come up with an answer, mm -hmm. what would symbolise that answer for you? And I want something concrete, something you could put in a wheelbarrow, something yeah. you could hold in your hands. Yeah. So they then come up with six symbols that we can work with. Mm -hmm. and these are metaphors for those beliefs. And then what we do is we take, I, mean, I know from previous conversations, you're familiar with the work of Joseph Campbell and the hero's yes, journey. Yeah, now yeah, I know that other listeners may not, and I haven't really got time to go into it now, mm. but basically the hero's journey is a pattern in mythology and legend and folktale throughout the world that was recognized by mythologists and Joseph Campbell and others in which it's basically it's an initiation pattern. Hmm. So the hero is, and the hero is non-gendered, um, lives in the ordinary world, is separated from their ordinary world, mm -hmm. goes through a series of ordeals, achieves their goal, um, or achieves a gift mm -hmm. in this magical other world, which they then bring that gift back to the ordinary world. Yeah. So we give this structure to the group, to the individuals within the group, within which they then write their own magical journey, mm -hmm. following that pattern, using these symbols which provide the goal, the challenges that they go through. So they're making their own myth? They create their own myth. Mm -hmm. We all live our own myths. But what we're giving them the opportunity is to rewrite that myth mm -hmm. as a creative writing project. And what was quite interesting was um, we've done this in a number of different formats. So we did it purely that way, mm -hmm. also using traditional folk tales to illustrate different aspects of that journey. Mm -hmm. um, Grimm's tales, reviews, <laughs> tales from Russia. Um, there's a rather lovely one that illustrates it, particularly as the heroine journey. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of those. Uh, Russia seems to be quite good at that for some reason. Um, and uh, in combining mindfulness techniques as techniques that people can take away with them. 
But I've also done it purely as that journey where I would then utilize guided meditations using the symbols so people can actually directly work with the symbols creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, Both of those techniques quite clearly show we've used external assessors and uh, mental health well-being scales, um, properly psychologically validated ones, um, and show significant improvement in self-reported mental health well-being uh, after, you know, from before and after the, the process. Yeah, yeah. So I'm finding this really exciting and I want to take this quite a lot further. Yeah, definitely. Um, and this is just one aspect of, of that work. It's, um, I think there are many ways in which we can deepen this. Uh, obviously, I'm using a combination of creative writing and traditional storytelling. I think there's a, there's a limit to the accessibility of that. Not many people are yeah. interested in traditional storytelling. There's, the scope is limited. I think we can move into um, uh, kind of more book form for, for people who would read. I think we can move into interactive computer games. Mm. Yeah, I think that, you know, that there is a lot of talk now, a lot of understanding now about the storytelling aspect, the narrative aspect of computer games. Yeah. Um, but I think we can take that healing and understanding of storytelling, healing and trauma into the computer arena. Um, that would be amazing that, to see that, you know, how, I mean, how would that look in the... Um, I've yet to quite finalise my, my thinking about that. I mean, at the moment, I've been doing work with uh, interactive fiction, mm-hmm. uh, what back in the day we used to call text adventures, but it's become a little bit more sophisticated than you are in a cave. Turn left, turn <laughs> like right. Dungeons and dragons, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah you, you, these days, you actually have a choice. Uh, do you remember those? used to get those books when I was a kid yeah. that you would be so like, you you know, you get to the bottom of the page and you would actually have, do you, do you speak to the so-and-so or <laughs> the do dragon? you, yeah, 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 you're always involved a dragon, didn't yeah. it? Um, I've recently done a, uh, such a online interactive uh, fiction for, for the same charity, um, but this involved uh, Alice in Wonderland, and it was Alice's sister who's then chasing Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. but she's quite angry with her. And she effectively goes through a similar set of ordeals um, in which she loses her anger and kind of loses... Well, she grows up. She loses mm. a sense of her ego, yeah, yeah. Um, her, her child ego, and, and becomes more of an adult. Right, yeah. Um, and so there are... There are ways in which you can pace and lead. You can possibly use uh, traditional story patterns and a hero journey pattern in which you can take people through. And similarly, you can just provide story patterns that give that space for learning to process trauma. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was adopted, um, and I always resonated with the story of the Selkie Bride. Um, because for me, when I first read it, I identified with the children and the Selkie had left her children. I was, I mean, when I first came across that story, I would have been less than 10. I was in my yeah. single figures. Yeah. But as I grew up with that story, I learned to identify with the mother. Right. And as I grew up, 
that story was a significant part of processing my own trauma yeah, right. as a child who didn't understand why their mother would have surrendered them. So there are other ways in which story assists the processing of trauma, which depend upon the way in which the story comes into your life. Mm. Um, uh, And I know that that story has helped other adult women in other, you know, for completely different traumas. Yeah, yeah. You know, these stories function on so many different levels. Yeah. I think it's um, uh, Idris Shah treating stories from a Sufi perspective, Mm. basically says that the wisdom of a story depends upon the readiness and the need of the person who's approaching that story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I could go on for hours. (laughs) I really could. It's it's such a powerful... um, It's so powerful because, like, stories are so full of metaphor and symbology and you can see how that that would work how that would be able to kind of get in into people to really describe their pain in a way that feels safe and feels like um and feels and looks very beautiful as well and feels very um and gives beauty to something that's quite difficult yeah i could i I can see that i can see that that you know you can really transform um somebody's pain and trauma through story making it kind of mythic and and full of um kind of like painting pictures with words yeah And, and 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 then you can take it further because you can then paint pictures of the story yeah yeah you know all of art is transformative yeah. The story is you know, the, the the body painting that they've been doing here at Wildways, for example. I've been looking at some of the images that yeah. have come out of that. Yeah, we're surrounded. These by are them. manifestations <laughs> of story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, the, 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 um, and they are transformative manifestations. Yeah. Yeah. So because uh, a lot of the pictures that we're surrounded in in the room that we're at. at at the moment they they have a mythic quality oh totally i mean i wish i could show people who are listening to this now um and there's story there's story in every picture there's a there's um there's metaphor and myth and and there's um archetypal i mean it's very young he's so so young Um, (laughs) um you know there's archetypes and um animals and um goddesses it's it's you know it's very empowering for the person to be identified to make their myth into something that is beyond their human story that you know they become the hero they become the goddess they become the the mythical being you know they become more than what their trauma yeah, I mean, many of the, you can look at the faces. I mean, I'm looking at one now. Yeah. The expression on that face is transcendent. Absolutely. That person is more than they are in their everyday life. They are still that person, but they are also transcendent at this moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, um, it's incredible. And I don't know that you could, in fact, I know that you can't do that and come back the same person no you have to you, you have, are something more yeah you've you gain so much yeah. you know um as we're in kind of like a bdo setting what what is your vision for for this within the bdo 
Okay. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Yes, now. yes, you are. Rather. <laughs> um, I have given this some thought because um, I was responsible for, at least in part, writing some of the storytelling stuff for the Bardic course. And I actually have a complete vision for a revision or a complete revision for my vision. Um, in days gone by, you can see the ways in which cycles of traditional stories followed certain patterns. Mm. There were stories about birth. There were stories about death. There were stories about battle. There were stories about... And these stories will have had occasions. Stories about marriage. Stories about weddings. Stories yeah. about you know, And there would have been occasions for these tales. There would have been purposes. There would have been times to use these stories for healing there would have been time to use these stories in mourning there would have you know uh, and i think times have changed mm. but we don't have those we don't have those patterns to suit this time um i think what we have is a hodgepodge of toxicity in contemporary times yeah. to me these stories come from there are many stories about where these stories come from but they all seem to point to the same place. Mm -hmm. So the Native Americans have this story about uh, the story stone where the stories are given to a young boy by a stone. They come from the earth. Mm. There's a couple of different stories from different Native American traditions that are similar. Mm -hmm. um, medieval bardic poets refer to singing their Arwen from the deep. Yeah, yeah. And again, this deep translates both as physical depth mm. and profundity. Mm -hmm. um, the word is ambiguous, but again, it's coming from the deep. It's coming from the earth. And it's referring to me to a world behind the world, a world before the world, something like the Aboriginal dream time. So it's outside of time, parallel to time, parallel to the world. So I'll, the other world. The other world. Our stories come from the other world. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> and so they come from the other world. They are of the other world in nature. Mm -hmm. There are rules as to how we evoke them mm -hmm. because they come through us. Mm -hmm. And I think we have taken to breaking those rules. The myths and the legends that are out there in the world at the moment concern people like Trump, they concern celebrities, they concern mm. and there are rules about the way in which we return those stories to the other world and we're breaking those and I think this is part of the problem about the nature of the world. So this is where all of the ecological issues tie in it's issues to do with power, it's issues to do with holding power to yeah, account yeah, yeah. Um, and I see the e the BDO as having, you know, in, in its wholeness, as having a place in all of that, holding power to account, um, repairing, seeking to return the balance to the earth, repairing the damage that has been done. Yeah. And I think storytelling has a role in that um, because the damage is the same on a different plane. Yeah. So I'm... And I don't want to work alone in this. I want to speak to others. I want to engage with others. But I see how do we re-establish that pattern? How do we 
begin to re-establish an understanding of the rules mm. by which stories are understood. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe in this day and age, rather than thinking of stories of battle and stories of mourning and stories, do we think of stories of uh, understand how, you know, what are, what are the, the important metaphors? Metaphors of transformation, metaphors of um, protection, metaphors of, you know, and maybe we can build patterns of story around that. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. Mm. So I will, I, I need to reach out to others and see whether that makes sense of how I revise my part of the storytelling aspects of the Bardic Programme. <gasps> so exciting. <laughs> it's so, really yeah. exciting to I hear. I hope that makes sense. Yes. And a lot really of it has good. been sparked off by this weekend, to be honest, yeah, you know, yeah. because we've had a lot of creativity, a lot of, um, I don't know, it's been kind of, we've sat around with minutes and agendas, yeah. and <laughs> but it's been so, you know, I don't think I've ever sat around such a creative <laughs> meeting. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds like, um, like you said, you know, this weekend was very creative and a lot of stuff came out of it, you know, that was really positive and with lots of energy. And, and I mean, hearing you talking, talking about this, um, you know, I, I have, um, I could see how it can kind of be the storytelling and, and your vision for storytelling could be such a force for good, a force for a positive, um, I don't know how to, to, a force for like, um, for positivity. If you yeah. want to know somebody's, sto- if you want to know somebody's soul, listen to their story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah and look into their eyes while they tell it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and I think the BDO has a soul, a spirit. Yes, definitely. If you want to know the spirit of the BDO, listen to its story. Yeah. But we're writing that story now. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, no, telling that story now. A story mm-hmm. isn't written because that fixes it. It's, uh, yeah, the story is emerging. Well, we, you know, we are trying to create a living tradition that evolves. Yeah. Um, and as you said, if we, at the moment, it's about kind of telling the story of the spirit of the BDO. Mm. And, um, and I think that storytelling can come through our courses and through the work that we do kind of alongside the courses and is is told by by all of us within the video is like and it's about giving time to tell the stories and giving time to listen to the stories and um and acknowledging the power of of um the community, which is the BDO, and acknowledging the power of the spirit of the BDO and everybody with it. And on that note, um, i really like to thank you for explaining um, like the, the work that you've been doing and your bardistry. And I really look forward to seeing um, your project in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>